that I'd never thought about I could be receiving the love I was looking for or, or fill this, this hole of this void of wanting to be in love. I could love God uh, and be loved by God in the same way that I wanted to be loved by somebody else. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us all to be here. Help us to use our words to glorify you and help us to um, not do this to please man, but uh, to please you and help us to encourage one another in the audience and just tell them what your word really says and um, let us all be edified by it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Hello. Welcome to Talk the Walk. Um, our guest here today is Mr. Josh Rodriguez. That's how you pronounce it, right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, Josh uh, is very special to me. Josh is my youth pastor at my church, which is this building we're in. This is one of the rooms here. Um, so Josh is 26 years old, turning 27 soon. He is a father, he's a husband, and he's a father of three, soon to be four, uh, later this year, right? It's the fourth uh, March, April. Okay, March, okay, so next, yeah. soon, coming soon. Yeah. Uh, and he went to college at Schreiner University, mm -hmm. and he went to seminary at Fuller something seminary. Theological Fuller seminary. Fuller Theological Seminary. Yeah. Okay, and yeah, Josh has been my youth pastor for, um, now the last four years almost four almost yeah. four yeah. yeah uh when he came here his first kid was like one and now she's a uh, kind of grown five-year-old about to go to kindergarten mm -hmm. so that's crazy uh yeah josh and i've just been really close these past four years and uh, i'm glad to have him on so josh what are, what are your favorite stories with shaner can you think of one specific memory you're kind of talking about you and shane hanging out for two years alone yeah so there's not like one specific memory. It's it's uh, um, like a culmination of, of experiences and spending time together. Uh, but of the first four years, or of the first two years of our four years, we um, we were essentially just you and me and Jess. Uh, Jess is my wife. Um, uh, we had a small youth group at the time where there was maybe like four or five other kids that would come on occasion on Sunday mornings, um, but for the most part. Uh, at worship and on at Sunday school, or um, sometimes we we'd go catch a movie together. It was just me and Shane uh, spending time together, getting to know each other, getting to know God together, um, learning you know what it's like to be you know men of Christ and and uh, love people like like Christ did. Uh, so yeah, it was. Um, I think that's my favorite part is uh, we had a lot of one on one time. Um, uh, getting to know each other and growing together. Sometimes it was awkward. So uh, you're the most, um, Jess, Jess and I, uh, when I interviewed here, um, I, I thought, I, I, you know, I was like, this is the, I got the job, I got this position as, as a youth pastor. And then we came up one Sunday yeah. before we moved out here um, to, to check out the church. Uh -huh. And there was, uh, we sat there, I don't know if the Jess was there, but I was there, I remember, I think I was like right there. Uh, and you were right next to me or something on a swivel chair, uh, and there was a couple other youth in here, and I, I remember you, the way you spoke, you carried yourself, I think you had your leg crossed like this, and I was like, yo, what 12-year-old? I think you, were, you weren't even quite 13, because it was right before you turned 13. Yeah. Uh, and you had on like super cool socks and you, you were like, yeah, I had the sock subscription. Hey. Yes, cool. yeah. I remember this. <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, but yeah, I had, um, I had the interview and afterwards, like... Jess and I, my wife and I were like, yeah, that kid Shane's like the most mature, dapper 12-year-old we've ever seen. <laughs> I Shane used to be so dapper. I think I your did. shirt was tucked in, your hair was slicked. I was like, yeah. who is this 12-year-old? Yeah. I, yeah. 
I remember that sock subscription. That was that was something my mom got for me. It's like they send you two different pairs of socks every month, and like. Uh, like there's there's an astronaut one. There's like a red one that I had. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and you still remain the most. Uh, I th I think you're more mature than me. As if you just remain uh, well put together. Uh, you keep a schedule on your phone. I do. I still don't. Yeah. Really? I don't, I don't I have, have. I have a calendar. I've got almost oh, four okay. kids, and I'm just running around playing life by the seat of my pants. Yeah. And you're you've got a calendar on your phone. <laughs> I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, but you're you're. Well put together Thank for, you, a, for a junior that. in high school. Thank you. Very well put together. So Shane, what are your favorite stories with Josh? Uh, I mean, it's the same situation with Josh. I don't have one specific. I don't have one specific one that stands out. Um, like Josh was saying, it was really just him, his wife, and I for like two years. Um, and through that time, and like where we are now, I was telling you this yesterday. I think Josh and I are at the point where, like, at church, like he's my youth pastor, I'm his student, I guess you could say. But like outside of church. I do think we've grown to the point where like we're like really good friends with each other. Um, hopefully you you agree with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, so I think it's really special how like him and I are like friends. I could tell I could talk to him about anything. Uh, he talks to me about stuff. So those moments where we're just out being friends, being bros, seeing movies, getting lunch or even during like the all we had like an all boys youth event where um, you know, I was it was Josh and I, then other youth kids. Even though it wasn't just Josh and I, that's still like a really fun moment between us where we could vibe with each other then vibe with all the other um, youth youth yeah. students. Because uh, not a lot of them are my age. There's Elijah. Mm -hmm. um, the other ones are younger. So um, it's just cool hanging out with like these kids and with Josh and just being there for them and just growing together again through our faith. Yeah. Like Shane has kind of talked to me about this, but like Shane's the oldest youth kid, right? Yeah. yeah. So does Shane sort of help you to do your job and kind of like keep the kids in line and mentor and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, they look up to him, uh, especially the, the boys. So uh, Shane is, we have another high schooler. Mm, um, um, he's really cool, I love Elijah. He's, yeah, he, he's, got a, he's got a job now, so he's, he's busy. Sometimes we don't see him as much. But um, so Shane, on, on a regular basis, is our only high schooler. Well, actually, we have a few going into to be freshmen this year, but other than Shane, sorry, it's middle schoolers. Um, they they look up to him. Um, he definitely sometimes they'll they'll during Sunday school you've got you know eight or nine or ten middle schoolers and and they just get to talk and and Shane helps me kind of you know bring them back in and get back on topic on on whatever we're talking about that day. Um, you know Shane gives me I I look to Shane for ideas on what to do or. I'm like, hey, would you like to do this? Our next trip, let's, let's say we're gonna do something fun. What are we gonna do? You know, what are you, I, I'll take your advice. Um, uh, yeah, I'm always looking to Shane to kind of be, be some help for me. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the, the kids who are in the youth now, like they, they're not like, some of them are new, but not all of them are new to the church. So I, I have known these kids since like, they were in elementary. Longer than me, you know, most of them longer. Yeah, than like, like Rivers, Rivers, Jonathan, and Miles specifically, like River, Rivers and I, he, I mean, it was, it's a little weird looking back at it, but like he, what is he? He's going into eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So him and I hung out, like he was like my only friend here for a good bit. And like, because I was younger, like 12, 11, like I didn't find that as weird because it was like such a big age difference. Like yeah. now, like we don't hang out like we used to because like this is like a middle school kid and I'm a high school kid. But still, it, it's good. It, it was good already having that foundation yeah. with them and yeah. like helping them out. So, yeah, so. Okay. 
So, Josh, how did you come to Christ, or could you share your testimony? Yeah. Uh, so, I grew up in church. Um, so, I, I grew up um, having a uh, an understanding with God, understanding God who about who God is. Um, I think I didn't necessarily have a, a strong relationship with God until later. Uh, I was telling you guys a little bit about it, some of my, um, my experiences growing up. Um, I think Paul, Paul talks about, um, uh, you know, he had a, a thorn in his side. And there's speculation on what that thorn could have been. It could have been like a physical ailment. Um, it could have been um, something that he, maybe it was a mental thing. Maybe he, he had something, though, that nagged at him. And he would hearken back to to Christ when he would go through these. Or he would go back to Christ during these times where he was struggling with this thorn in his side, and he would um, kind of build up and overplay his weaknesses because in his weakness, that's where he, you know, Christ was. That's where he found strength was in his, was in Christ, not in himself. So um, even Paul had this thorn in his side. Uh, I had a thorn in my side and, and maybe still still struggle with today to where um, I, I liked girls. Uh, I liked relationships. I had this from a young age. I don't know if it was watching my mom watch rom-coms, but I wanted to be in love. Uh, and um, it hindered some of um, my growth maybe uh, because I was so concerned with um, having a girlfriend or being in love. Um, I think the sometimes as a teenager, especially um, in in the world we live in now, it's very easy and very simple to once you get in a relationship to take the next uh, or take a step, and it seems like um, and we're kind of told from the movies and the music that we walk, listen to uh, that the next step would be sex. So um, sex got in my life and became a big thing in my life. Um, I, I had a, a pretty strong addiction to pornography um, for most of my youth. Um, there were times where um, I would uh, explain it away and say it's nothing, it's no big deal. You know, I'm not hurting anybody. Um, and then I explained it away enough to where there was a time where I didn't even think it was bad at all. Um, there was um, just kind of being in love or experiencing. A relationship or love with a woman was, um, and I, I guess at the time other teenage girls, was the most uh, important thing that I could have felt. Uh, until I was 18, I went on a youth retreat, a weekend retreat with my youth group. It was right before Thanksgiving, so there was a time where I was kind of planning, um, I think I was in between girlfriends, um, which you if I'm honest, it usually was about three or four weeks in between girlfriends before I got the new one. Um, I was in between girlfriends at the time, and uh, we went on this retreat. It was for the before the holidays, and I was planning, you know, who's my next girlfriend going to be? Who am I going to be with to, to give Christmas presents to and all this kind of stuff? And um, my uh, we, we didn't have phone service for this weekend, and we were spending time with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we were, we were growing closer to the Lord. Um, and the last night we were there, so we were there, I guess just two nights. It was Friday night and Saturday night. So Saturday night before we came home on Sunday, my youth pastor gave a, a sermon. Um, and he essentially just uh, said that, that scripture, um, and in particular, 
that sermon he was giving was a love letter from God to us. Um, and I'd never thought about I could be receiving the love I was looking for or, or fill this, this hole or this void of wanting to be in love. I could love God uh, and be loved by God in the same way that I wanted to be loved by somebody else. So um, I, uh, I received that love letter from God. I, I went after, when we left there, um, uh, a lot of tears before we left, uh, a lot of like, thank you God for not giving up on me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for writing this love letter to me. Um, and then went from there and things didn't get maybe all better all at once. It wasn't like the snap of, the, of a finger and um, everything was better, but um, I, I actually felt close to God and continued to work and try to be closer to God. And it's been, it's a process. I, I say love is, is something you gotta work at every day. Um, and um, that was, that was I, I think the big thing was as I, I struggled with this this concept of wanting to be loved and I wasn't finding it or I was trying to force it on other people um, and then once I allowed the love of God in my life to actually love like God to actually love me and know that he loves me and feel that he loves me and cares for me uh, I could actually love myself and other people the way that I was intended to love other people so um, I think you'd be it'd be I'd be remiss uh, anybody that knows me um, my parents joke all the time that I never didn't have a girlfriend um, uh, that was just, if you're talking about me as a teenager, I had, I had somebody I was in a relationship with um, until I allowed myself to, to be in a relationship with God, too. So um, I think that's a, a, a good gist of, of where I came from and where I am now. Um, I, that youth pastor I was so close with, uh, he, he influenced me to want to be a youth pastor and, and be a youth pastor in the way that I am now, where you know, he, him and I had a very relate, similar relationship that Shane and I have. Um, and we're still, we still talk occasionally today. So, um, uh, big influence for me becoming a youth pastor as well. Yeah. So, um, do you think that being in a relationship, cause you were talking about how you learned how to be in a relationship with God. Do you think being in a relationship with God, um, helps any future relationships with like women? Cause I know like you, you ended up meeting Jess and married her. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was after you had learned about being in a relationship with God, yeah. correct? So, like, yeah. did that help with anything? Or? Yeah. Um, so, if you if you learn, if you let God love you, and you learn to to love like God and be like God, uh, and love like Jesus loved people on Earth. Jesus saw other humans as uh, we're we're made in the image of God, uh, and he saw other humans as being image bearers and and image holders of God as much as he was. Um, and Jesus, you know, Jesus being the son of God, um, he might have, you know, some, some people might think that he had more of a claim on that. But Jesus, on multiple occasions, said we had just as much a claim on being children of God and, and image bearers of God as Jesus did. Um, so, yes, uh, in, the, in the most um, easy, easiest sense, being loved by God and loving God taught me. And, and studying scripture and, and learning about God's will and God's plan for, for us, uh, I learned that loving other people just because they were made by God, um, I, I, whenever there's a fight with my wife or whenever there's, there's times where I think, man, why is she mad at me? Or um, she might think, why am I mad at her? Or why am I acting this way? Um, uh, I remember that 
before I say anything that I might could regret or that could hurt her, I remember that she's, you know, an image bearer of God, um, just as like I am, just as much as you and just as much as Max. So that's been a huge thing for my relationship um, and how God is important in my relationship with my wife. That's great. Yeah. Thanks, Do you think everybody's a children, a child of God? That's a good. Yeah. I think. Yes, I think uh, whether we're following God um, and and we're following like this Judeo-Christian God or not, I think God sees everyone as equally an image bearer and as equally a child of God as, as, as the next person. So uh, I think God equally loves and equally sees um, maybe somebody that practices, practices um, Hinduism uh, in, practices Hinduism in, uh, in India uh, as much as a child of God as, as I am. Um, now we all might walk different paths of, of life and we might worship they might worship a different God than we do. They might not worship um, the God that I do. Um, but I think that uh, they are, and God sees them just as much as children of God as, as I, uh, I think he sees me. Um, I'm trying to find the verse. But I think it's John 1 somewhere. But it's, it says that like we, we get to be... This may sound a little bit aggressive, but this is what the Bible says. Yeah. It says, after Adam fell, right, then that means we're no longer, you, he, he bore the image of God correctly, right? Mm -hmm. he, it was an accurate representation of the image of God with Adam and Eve, but then the image was tainted. I'm right. sure you, yeah. and then no longer, actually, I don't fully understand how this part works. No, I just know that at some point, people are no longer children of God, or maybe they never were by default, and they're actually referred to as children of the devil or uh, workers of iniquity, right? And then by Jesus, now we have the right to become children of God. That's the way it's phrased in John, right? So I believe that everybody bears an image, but it may not be a correct image, or it's a tainted image, right? And then that image gets to be corrected uh, by becoming a child of God through Christ and the perfect life that he lived, not by what we've done. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important clarification. It may seem like semantics, but I realized that like several months ago and it made so much more sense. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to yeah. see what yeah. you thought about that. My only, and, and, and another, another thought is, um, you know, scripture says uh, nothing, and, and again, you can take things, we talked about it earlier, you, you read you can read two or three sentences in scripture um and and without reading the whole of what's around that or understanding what's around that that's those two or three sentences can be taken way out of context yeah um but there's there's scripture that says nothing can separate us from from the love of god um there's you know there's certain um understandings of theology um like predestination that would say that uh, and as and, and as Methodists, um, it's actually very interesting. Um, the founder of of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, was very against uh, uh, the founder of the, the Methodist Church. Um, often was at odds with the 
um, the theology of predetermination, predestination, which came from um, John Calvin. Uh, he was kind of one of the original um, people that kind of put that theological understanding into into pen and, and paper and, and preach it to folks. So um, the, pre, the predestination idea would be um, kind of we were were kind of picked out uh, and predetermined at, at the beginning of time or at least after the fall um, if we were going to be image bearers of God and um, kind of know God in glory and, and in heaven at the end times. Um, but I feel like when, when something like scripture says, nothing can separate us from the love of God, um, that can be maybe a rebuttal against that to where maybe even when Christ defeated sin, when Christ died and, and was dead for three days and then came back to life on the third day, once Christ did that, nothing, not even sin, could separate us from it, at the very least being the image bearers and made in the image of God and being good. Uh, I think there's still a choice that has to be made, um, which is another kind of argument against maybe if... Um, it's a very elementary argument against predetermination, but um, one might argue that uh, uh, having to make a choice to follow Christ um, is still there, even if we we have been free from the, the the grips of sin. We still have to choose that. But it, I think it, it it was a huge switch in the culture or switch in the the understanding and the relationship God had with humanity when he died um, and defeated sin. I think he defeated a lot of things, especially this idea that we were separate from God or something other than God. Okay, we're talking about predestination, uh, Calvinism. Shane, for clarification and for the audience, what we're wrestling between is sort of like an Arminian Calvinistic debate, right? Like, is God the one who has predetermined you to be saved from the foundations of the universe um, and can you deny him whenever he's willing you to be saved versus no I can choose not to be and God saved out like did this thing and now we can choose him and then like can you break away after you're saved right so that's kind of what we're dealing with. Yeah. Is God the one that is saving you, forced you to be saved, sort of, and willed you all the way to make it to heaven? Or do you get to choose and you can stop whenever you want? That's a great, it's a yeah. great summary of, of that theology. Yeah. Uh, you want to know my thoughts? Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's my turn? <laughs> no, I was just clarifying. Yeah. Everybody. Okay, so... I very much fall into the Calvinistic view. Yeah. Like, and I wasn't always like that. I had no idea what any of this stuff was, but it's because I struggled through it so much. Of course. I was like, how am I preserving my salvation? And if I don't read the Bible today, does that mean I'm throwing this away and now I've lost my spot? Sure. Um, and so it took me a long time to navigate, and I believe, like, so many different things. Yeah. And there's, like, the, the argument it. I, I made it where I said this is this elementary because it's very elementary and Cal and Calvinism uh, is so much more complex than just saying um, well God God why did God choose you and not me that's there, there's that's a very elementary and way there's so much more com complexity to Calvinism than not um, it's so interesting 
that you guys have a podcast and and I don't, again I don't know, fully know where you stand but growing up in a Methodist church John Wesley the founder of Methodist church and John Calvin the founder founder of, and kind of the, the person that put pre, predetermination out there at least as a theological understanding um, those they weren't they didn't live at the same time but John Wesley came later and very much disliked John Calvin uh, and they probably, if they had lived at the same time and in the same geographical area, would have probably had their their theological bouts. It's very cool that you guys have a podcast together and might have just different understandings. Yeah. When it comes to these like theological <clears throat> debates, and I, I sort of say that I don't know if I say this during like when we have Bible class or stuff, but yeah. when it comes to like picking like predestination or uh, free will or like any other debate, yeah. there are some things where like I have a stance on. But there are other things where, like, I don't feel like I know enough about this to even, like, add my input in it. Because I could, like, think I'm on one side, but then, let's say Max is on the other side, and he knows, you know, a ton more than I do. And he, like, explains it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. Like, I didn't know enough to even pick a side. So, like, stuff like this, if I know about it, I'll, like, add my input. But, like, if I don't, I'd just rather, like, not say at the moment. So that's that's my thing. so wise. Yeah. So wise because you... uh, Politics, uh, especially in America. Po- okay, politics. <laughs> let me just you just get dumped <laughs> no, on. No, politics in general. I don't care if I have a side. I, I am six. I'm turning seventeen. I can't even vote yet. I don't think your view on politics matter at all at yeah. this age. Maybe for like your age, of course. Right. Like you're the people voting. Like right. you're the age that's voting. Right. But like in middle school and stuff, or like when we. I don't know if there's been a moment, but like where we get into politics and like school and stuff, it's like be quiet, like, shut your mouth. <laughs> but, you don't even. But the the wisdom in you to say I'm not gonna talk if I'm not informed is yeah. beyond like 80 year old politicians because yeah. they'll mansplain anything. They'll come out and say anything to say that they have an opinion. It's very wise. Yeah, of you. I had to learn Both that because there was a point. There was a point in time where like the family would be like my family would be having a discussion on like. Like, let's say, for example, like gay marriage or something, and I'd put in my input, and like, I just sounded foolish, and I got flamed. And it's like, you actually don't know what you're talking about at all. So I just had to learn, like, if I don't know about it, just like, don't yeah. say it. So, it's yeah. very wise. Like, Proverbs uh, says, a fool kept silent seems wise. Yeah. That's such I'll, a good verse. I'll be that fool that's <laughs> silent. Like, I don't care. If I don't know about it, I'm not going to talk great. about it. Yeah. That's great. Well, okay. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a. You and me just have Sunday school, and we'll learn about both sides more. Sure. Then you can figure out which sure. one. Sure. I'm, I'm open to. And there's plenty of literature you can read yeah. on both sides. You know, I don't, I was so brain dead. I completely forgot that y'all were Methodists yeah. and that there's, okay. There's a there's, that was very friend. foolish the way I came. My, my, no, 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 listen, no. I, I did not grow up Methodist. I, this, this, this is when I, when I started coming here, actually about six months before I started working here, I started going to a Methodist church yeah. and I just kind of worked out. So I didn't grow up Methodist uh, and I wrestled with both, um, Calvinism and and Wesleyan uh, theology, and mm-hmm. I um, I, res- I I fully respect it as long as you 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 found that that's where your your theology lies. But those two have been at strong yeah. odds for centuries. It's very yeah. it's funny. And I mean, like yeah, I go to a Methodist church, but like I also go to like uh, an Episcopalian. Yeah. I work at an Episcopalian <laughs> what did Dr. camp. Say you're very ecumenical. Ecumenical. Yeah. yeah, I work at an Episcopalian camp. Respect. I attend a Lutheran camp, and then I go to respect. A, 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 what are, is Trinity under a certain? You know, we're called Christ-centered. Christ-centered. And then I go to a Christ-centered school. So, like, I'm all over the place. So, like, just because I go to a Methodist church doesn't, I'm always going to follow, yeah. like, the Methodist. And I've told my, I've talked to my dad about this. Like, I don't, at my point, I don't follow a certain non-dom. Non, I'm, I'm non, I, I consider myself non, non-dom right now. Uh, later on in life, 
I'll probably pick what, uh, maybe I go to a Methodist church, maybe I things. don't. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know enough about everything yet. I'm still learning. You're, you're going to go through um, different understandings of, of, of God, and, and you're trying to find your whole, we talked about it earlier, where um, there's certain things uh, in scripture, gospel, there's, that are just, that's the truth, and there's no way around that. There's some things where there's, there's, it's up for debate. Um, uh, you use the word, there's some things that are non-consequential, um, where there's room for you to have a different opinion than your neighbor. Um, but as long as we're all um, on the same mission uh, as, as the, the Great Commission and the Gospel of, of getting people you know, in, in relationship with God, you know, a lot of people say, use the word saved. Whether you use the term saved or not, um, uh, our eternity and our relationship with God and being with God in, in the new heaven um, and being God with God at the end of our life and at the end of whatever's next. And there's so many other ways of, of people understanding what happens right after we die. But being with God in eternity is, is the goal. And I think both sides, that is the goal. Um, they're just going about it so differently. Um, yeah. And I, I, and we all have, like you guys, I, I respect the wisdom. And I respect the, the, the want to, to get it right. Um, and being cautious when you might be getting it wrong. Uh, there's times where I um, teeter on universalism, where I want to just believe that, at the end of the, at the, end of the, the world, when Jesus comes back, he's just going to bring everybody back. Um, he's going to raise everybody back um, and, and bring them all into glory in heaven with him. Uh, you know, that's, uh, I've teetered on that before, and I know that that's um, not, there's not a whole lot of biblical um, precedence for that or biblical stance for that. Um, but, uh, so you gotta, you got to be careful and make sure you get it right, and you guys are both on that path. You said a lot of stuff, teetering on universalism. Like I feel a type of way about that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and well, that's why it's, I, I, that's why most people would consider heresy because it's not. There's not a whole lot of um, biblical. Um, there's not a lot of there's not there's not a lot of biblical grounding on it. But but I found myself in my own heart. I think I can't remember who, but there's a quote from a theologian. Um, and I think many people would would hope, like, would say this, not believe it, but say it. Um, like, that's the hope. We'd hope everybody would get into heaven. Like, it'd be, it'd be great if universalism was true. Yeah. I, um, I mean, maybe, I mean, there's some people you might not want to see in heaven. You might not want to see your worst enemy. But, like, like, Hitler in heaven. Yeah. Um, if you're being real, maybe not. But, but there's maybe the hope. Um, but there's not a lot of scriptural. Okay. Oh, we're getting into something I love. I've never yeah. thought of it. Okay. Here's the question. Does everybody, does anybody deserve to go to heaven except for Jesus? Deserve. They're like... I think that's the whole point of, like, Jesus dying on the cross, though, right? Is that, like, none of us deserve... Bingo! To get, like, our <laughs> Let's sins go, forgiven. Mm -hmm. So, but, like, because he died for us, he sort of... That was the sacrifice he made to the point where, like, we feel... Or, I don't know. I don't know how to word it up. I'll leave it at that. I okay. feel like, we, okay. yeah, I think you, I think you get what I mean. Okay. So now, now there's this opportunity. I was reading about this. I think I was watching a sermon yesterday. They were talking about the gospel and the dramatic effect it made on the world. Kind of like what you're talking about. 
um, it made an effect, and it, the world's not going to be the same anymore, or at least the way that we can approach eternity has been altered. It's been predestined, but it's been altered for us. And so now people can either, like Christ is a stumbling block, so we can either um, accept Christ, and I would say that God willed us to accept Christ. Uh, we can either accept Christ or we can deny Christ, right? And so people are denying the person that died for them and lived a perfect life for them and um, rose again so that they may have new life. And so we don't deserve it, and yet Christ died for us and gave all this stuff, so that's grace. We got the opposite of what we deserve, and they're denying it. And so Jesus said that it would be worse for uh, the people in, that he was preaching to than the people in Sodom and Gomorrah because he already preached the gospel yeah. to them. So, <clears throat> so it actually makes a lot of sense. And it's like, we hope that, but at the same time, they didn't, they chose it, right? In hell, people aren't going to be like repentant necessarily. They're still going to keep loving evil, right? So they're choosing it and they made the own, their own choice with their own will to sin, even though they had a sinful nature, right? Like I have a sinful nature, but I'm still choosing whenever I punch Shane after he just like said a bunch of annoying stuff. He doesn't actually do that, by the way. Yeah, I don't think I've, we've only punched each other voluntarily oh, with yeah, boxing box. gloves. <laughs> um, so, I mean like, and God chose the people that would go to heaven and nobody deserves to go to heaven. And that kind of like helps register things in your brain. You're like, oh, okay. And that's how you can always be grateful, mm -hmm. right? You're like, I don't deserve this. But I, I get it. And don't get so caught up in the, I didn't deserve this, keep looking at God being gracious. Mm -hmm. um, God being gracious by, like, sacrificing his son. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I can't tiptoe around universalism. No, that's why I said... And that's why you probably yeah, don't believe I, that's it. Why, yeah, but that's why, I, like, like I said, I, I... The reason I say that I might tear on because I, I wish that were the case and yeah there's ways that you, and there's like, ways and there's yeah. ways that you can manipulate scripture to say that there's ways because because it's obviously a theology that somebody has made but I know it's not yeah uh, that's not a let's thing. go yeah I, uh, I I fully agree with you um, okay uh, but I see what you're yeah. saying like sometimes it's just easier you're like oh then I don't have to go to talk to all these people mm -hmm. and try to like. Be like, say the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry if that came across aggressive. I was just like, I don't want you well, guys. You didn't to, at all. You didn't come I don't want anybody yeah. to believe that. Yeah. Um, because that really takes away from the grace of God. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, it, it taints the power. It taints the power and the grace of God. Um, I think uh, the grace of God is is even more powerful sometimes than we. Yeah. Like we give it credit for. Because you know? like all throughout the Old Testament. God constantly kills off Israelites and leaves a remnant. And he does that to show his just nature and his gracious nature, right? And simultaneously. Because if God was, God has to show his just um, justice just as much as he has to show his grace. I think the only place where you and I differ is, is where, great, where God's grace comes in and we, like, I, if, if from, from a, a, Wesley stand, a Wesleyan standpoint, if I'm making, am I making the decision to accept the grace 
uh, and then yes. from yours, is, right. if, if, uh, are you making the decision? Yes, but you're, God's also willing you into that, that yeah. grace as well. That's the only, that's the difference. Yeah. yeah. That's the difference. So to be clear, both of y'all disagree with universally. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay, okay. You have to look it up. I had to double check. <laughs> Uh, I thought I gave a good enough. No, you did. You did. I just had a. I, I need to hear enough. Just in case. Look, yeah, just in case. See, I'll probably, I'll probably agree with y'all. <laughs> so so I, I, so you, so. Wait, did I, you say you'll disagree? No, I'll agree. Oh, okay. I, I'll agree that I don't think universe. I would have loved for you to disagree. No, <laughs> man. That I feel like if you agree with that, that's like, it's like you're missing a lot. My, so my. But I, I, I do understand what you mean about like that's something like we'd want to believe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say I have a like one friend who just doesn't want to turn to christ at all okay doesn't believe yeah. anything like of course i'd want him to go to heaven or him or her like and that's why we minister yeah. to them the gospel right but, like that's just not how it works yeah. like he like but i will say so you know so universal like that's the act of like everyone going to heaven i don't think everyone goes to heaven but i don't um think i don't believe that certain things stop someone from going to heaven like others may believe hmm. i don't see what you're saying like there's like uh, there are certain sins Oh yes, of there course. There are certain not. sins that, may, no that people sin. may that people may think like, oh, like you sin, you're not going to heaven. That's just yeah. something some people believe. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that either. So I'll say that because if you if you believe that, then you you believe there's limits to God's grace. Yeah. There's limits to God what He's willing to forgive and what He's willing to do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like I I don't know. So for example. Um, you see, and you think it's crazy sometimes, but you see these moms who um, their kids are mass murderers, mm. still love the kid, yeah, still love the, and they think yeah. some of them are, are naive to say he didn't do it, or, or but when there's loads of evidence that they obviously did, but they still love their kid, um, it's like that. I, I think when you, if you believe that there's certain things, certain sins that you can commit that can get you out of heaven, um, you're cheapening the grace of God. I think the the mom analogy is really good because it's like, but then the mom, Uh say the kid kills, say mom of Hitler, right? Mama Hitler. Um, uh, Hitler killed everybody and now there's this opportunity where Hitler can go to the jail. And um, Mama Hitler has Hitler locked up in her house and she can hand them over to the other jail. Hitler deserves punishment, right? Right. And Absolutely. so that's kind of like what God's like, not saying God's a mama, right. but like God, Papa, God has to, the wrath has to go somewhere. And that's what, that's why Jesus died instead. Absolutely. So, uh, this is, this is like, okay, I'll say it. That means that the Hitler in this situation or actually literal Hitler, if he, man, yup, that's true. If Hitler accept Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he still gets to go to heaven, which is something not a lot of people want to like. Not a lot of people take like that consideration. And but we like we don't make the rule. Like that's just how it is. Because everybody's just as evil and wicked and sinful. It's yeah. pretty common knowledge that Jeffrey Dahmer before he before he died. I don't remember if Jeffrey Dahmer got executed or not. I don't remember. I don't know. Who um, whether he did or not. Um, he, yeah. So he killed. At least thirty people. Yeah. Um, but in Zero in people. in jail before he died, it's very well. I think there's been books written about it. But it's very fairly common knowledge that he accepted Christ before he died. Um, you know, and and I think anybody that uh, doesn't want to cheapen the grace of God would think that maybe you know he should be he's in heaven one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, if if it was if it was genuine um, or and, and saying if, if 
the genuine, the genuine, the, the genuineness of uh, of it is maybe comes down to your idea of like our argument. But we both agree that there is no sin, right. except for like uh, the sin of denying Christ, because. Mm -hmm. But is that even considered a sin? Though that's like just blankly like ignored. Yeah, but that's what it's referred to yeah. in the Bible. So yeah. maybe like um, like we talked about yesterday, uh, the movie Silence. Yeah, you know, like uh, can can you uh, denying Christ because you don't want to be put to death? Can that get you out of heaven? Yeah, but I mean, the end of that movie though, he had like the cross. So mm -hmm. yeah, still, but that's not, that was that like raised point. the question. Yeah, the yeah, point yeah. was. Was he still a follower? And will we still see that man in heaven one day or not? Yeah, that was, that's the, a, that's the in, whole yeah. question of that. We movie. think of Peter, right? Yeah, that's I like true. Peter. Denied it was Peter. Denied like I was reading Thrice. John the other Thrice. day, Three times, which is like this: the guy in silence, all he did was like step on the cross or something. Like it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like Peter does all this stuff, and then it's just like ten verses in a row. Somebody asks him, "Do you know who Jesus is?" Oh, don't you know Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Or Blah, 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 and then all for him to get ahead and not die and get the warm rock. and all kind yeah, of stuff. The rock of the church. And um, so, and that, and like Paul, Paul messed up so much. Call, call, Paul called himself the chief of all sinners. David messes up so much. And that gives me hope. I love that. Yeah. Seeing people mess up so bad. Yeah. Before, like, and then David still life. addresses somebody as a man of after God's own heart because his heart was in the right place. Yeah. That gives me so much hope. Yeah. I'm like, I love the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it um, is a book made for people, I guess. Just yeah. regular people. Just regular people. Yeah. Um, I like that. Like as a Calvin, though, um, you'd have to think that if, like, if in your opinion, or as a Calvin, uh, from somebody that's not Calvin, if I'm still accepting, like I'm saying, I'm actively receiving the grace of God, and I, it's a genuine reception of it, I, I plan to you know, live out the mission uh, of God in my uh, the rest of my life. You have an extra level to it, but you still would think, I guess, would assume that I'm I'm one of the the those determined to have the grace of God. Yes. Um. So that's uh that's I mean. So it you thinking that I will be in heaven one day isn't a compromise to your. Um, your idea of, of grace um, it's just, yes it, and, and my same thing with me is I don't necessarily think that yours is a, a compromise to my grace there's just like one extra level there's a different on the on the level outside of us is where it, it, it's different but there's no compromise yeah so like that. a Calvinistic view would still I was listening to do you know John MacArthur I don't I was listening no. to him talking about how whenever the saints persevere it's them persevering but it's all god's keepings yeah. and so there's these two truths going at at the same time 100 percent. and if we can't really comprehend it but it's not a contradiction to god yeah. and for us to try to reconcile those kind of loses some of the emphasis of both of those truths can somebody who was once saved not be saved anymore i mean in uh, in a yeah I guess in, 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 in this, in my concept of grace is you can deny grace and then God's not willing you back into that grace that maybe in that moment, like you can deny grace and you can come back to grace and you can deny grace again. Um, it's one of those things Paul talks about it a lot in Galatians where you can't just do whatever you want 
you know, and, and keep, keep receiving grace. Um, so you can live this life where you're denying grace and you're not, um, being, um, being the, not being a, a member of the body of Christ because I think, I think Methodists and in our church a lot, um, we talk about doing the works of God as well. Like that's, that's, you have to have this faith, but you also have to put your faith into action and that's in every denomination. But that comes down to like a spiritual and a salvation level too, is if you're not putting your faith into works, um, you might, Matthew, your faith 20, may be Matthew 25 would say, Jesus separated the sheep and the goats and the sheep's did the will of God, they gave food to the hungry, and they gave water to the thirsty, and they visited people in prison and in hospitals, and the goats didn't do all those things. And Jesus said, the sheeps, the works that you did, I'm going to see you in heaven now. And not to say that works, it's not to say that works get you into heaven, but that's, you can't deny the works if you're, if you're, if you're a follower of God. Yes. So, but, Tim, in a very roundabout way to answer your question, um, I think you can fall out of the grace of God mm. if, if you are, like I said with Paul, Paul, almost all of Galatians is, is getting at this and he's talking to the church in Galatia and saying, um, you're acting this way and you're essentially spitting in the face of God's grace. Um, so, uh, but you can come back. Um, I think uh, where we, we briefly talked about the, the, the movie Silence uh, where if you if you deny Christ, their concept at that time was if you deny Christ once, you're not you're not he's just gonna turn his face yeah, towards you. That's why you didn't want to do that. Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't I don't believe in that. I think you can deny Christ and and um, eventually say I I messed up. Uh, I'd like to come back to you and God will receive you with open arms. Maybe like it's, um, it, the keep going. Uh, prodigal son. Yeah. Maybe. And it seemed like the point or the message based on the end of that movie was that yes like you can come back to God yeah. that's what the movie was saying at least because like the ending symbolizes mm -hmm. him like so. he died he's being right. uh, like burned I think that's like what body. Andrew Garfield's character believed yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he still had the cross yeah. at that point yeah. but I think that's um, maybe that's where the two theologies really yeah. differ so here's I guess I still believe that Arminians are Christians of course but then the the I guess the reason why the the doctrines of grace are the doctrines of gladness mm -hmm. as well like this is this is my confidence this is your assurance right yeah. so the i mean i believe this is actually what the bible says but i also love it that the reason why it matters so much to me that you have assurance of salvation all the way throughout um is because without that and i guess i'd quote verse from Paul nothing can separate us from the love of God and like Colossians your life is hidden with Christ that's that's comforting and that's security and that's assurance and I'm like nothing I do can mess this up right but because God is so good his grace um, actually changes you into where now you have a new life new desires new actions so it's not that these works like you're saying are saving you but the real faith works right and so, um, I guess the main reason why I maintain this and I'll still tell people this is because I want people to have that assurance, yeah, right? And that, like, because God has sovereignly chosen you to be saved, what he does will last. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I love that. Yeah. 
Um, and whether or not that makes you a Christian or not, I mean, you're still a Christian either way, but I think mm -hmm. you just kind of live your life in a different way, right? Yeah. Um, no, no, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, that you're, when you describe it like that, that's the most beautiful part about like a Calvinist view of grace, um, that it's, it's very comforting. You're right. Yeah. I like that. Um, and I mean, that's, that's what it really comes down to. Like there's all this kind of like debating and arguing about kind of like seemingly worthless things, but that's what it comes down to for me. And that kind of changed a lot of things for me. So I guess that's my position. I like it. Josh, thank you for coming on. That was good. That was good. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming here, even though there's all weird life situation things happening. Um, I'm very thankful that you were expressive of your own, of course, um, the way you view the Bible. And I'm glad we have um, consensus on um, in Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. That we can have that uh, sort of confidence and Amen. unity and keep peace, even though this has split a lot of people apart. Amen. All right. Yes, sir.